Section 23 of The Progressive Woman, Volume 7, Number 75, October 1913. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Martha by Bertha Hale Brown Always I think of Martha when I hear people speak of the wonderful privilege it is to find your place in the general scheme of things, and of having your special bit of the world's intricate machinery to tend. Martha was just a working girl like all the rest of us, but she was different in some way, though the difference was all in herself, and not in the things that happened to her. I'm told that her story is commonplace enough, and I wonder sometimes that I do not forget about her. Perhaps if it were not for the little boy out there at that school, wherever it may be, and him waiting for her. Waiting. Sometimes, as the week's end narrows the margin for expenditure, one wonders what would happen if that bit of machinery should become obsolete, and there should be no other for one's hand to guide. There's little enough of spiritual uplift in the thought of that, or in all the other thoughts that come in its train. One thinks, for instance, what the consequence might be for others. One is apt to remember at such times the myriad faces crowding the cars and elevators, thronging the streets, and how few serene faces there are, and so many weary ones, weary of the urge of circumstance. Or perhaps the machinery is to turn unceasingly, but the hand is to lose its skill upon the lever. I think of this sometimes when my eyes ache from too long looking at the stencils under the shaded light, and that makes me think of mother out at the little flat, me being the only one to look after her, and she's so old, and then I think of Martha and her gym, and the little boy that must still be waiting for her to come. We were all curious about Martha, kind as she was, and gentle with everyone's mistakes but her own. She was never one of us. Calm and aloof, working quietly from nine to five, she gave us a brief nod and was gone, with no lingering for harmless gossip with the rest of us after office hours. She was very beautiful, though many a silver thread glinted in the silken floss of her abundant hair, and faint lines were creeping about her fine eyes, telling of things but guessed at by her thoughtless associates in the office of an obscure semi-monthly paper of the farm and home variety. Martha was called the associate editor, and tended to the make-up of the paper. The rest of the girls rather envied her the dignity of her position, but she was not much better paid than the rest of us, and dignity was about all she got out of it. The editor only appeared at the office now and then, and Martha did most of his work, and her own too. Sometimes I lifted my eyes from the mailing list to her face bent above her desk, amused about her, and sometimes, not quite knowing why, I felt a strong pity for her. So lonely she seemed, and yet so worthy anyone's interest and attention. Martha was always well and modishly dressed, in a quiet way. We knew nothing about her life outside the office, but in some way a sort of impression gained ground that she was not, well, not as other folks. She seemed like one standing aside from life, as though she had nothing it could take from her, nor anything to offer. Once I saw her in a theater box and thought she was evidently one of a gay party. She looked just as detached as ever, as though she did not belong there either. That was one Monday night, and the next day I noticed a deepening of the lines upon her lovely face, when I had time to notice her at all. We were short-handed and had to take on extra work, every one of us, as the circulation manager had some new scheme for securing subscription, and even the office boy was folding circulars. Martha helped all day, but the next day she did not appear at the office, 
Late in the afternoon someone telephoned that she was sick, and then for two days there was no further word. But her work was piling up, and on Friday, Lassen, Lassen was the circulation manager, hunted her address and called up, and only to be told that Martha had died the day before. We were all shocked, and not a little ashamed that we had been so indifferent, but this was soon forgotten, and her place filled by another. Martha was all but forgotten, until the new filing clerk came to work with us. One day Martha was mentioned in connection with the makeup of the paper, and it made us remember how much we liked her. One of the girls said she would not care so much if only Martha could have had a chance to prepare a little. There must have been so many unfinished things being called out of life like that. Anna's head dropped upon her crossed arms on the desk, and she broke into nervous crying. It was some time, however, before we got the story of Martha from Anna, who had been the realest friend, perhaps, the lonely woman had. Lonely in death as in life, where Martha had died of scarlet fever, all one day she lay murmuring, murmuring, all the things that had pressed upon her heart through the dark years. And with the dawn of the next day she had died. Then the authorities had sealed her in her coffin and hurried her to Greenwood before the day was gone. Little had Anna known of her, for even she was kept at arm's distance. They had rooms in the same building and met occasionally, but Martha had callers that came in automobiles and took her away, evening after evening. Only in those last hours when Anna stayed by her side did anything of her life become known. Martha had once a home of her own, a husband and a little son, but one day the husband came home ill, and the doctor said it was the west for him. There was all too little money, but Martha coaxed until he went. Then she took stock of her resources and found them inadequate. One could fancy the quiet way she went about doing the hard but necessary things, the finding of a home for the boy, because she could not work and care for him too, and work she must. That must have been the hardest of all the hard things that Martha had to do. So she began the hopeless task of supporting herself and her boy, and contributing to the expense money of young Jim out in Colorado. She must have deceived Jim in some way about money, for it seemed he thought there was more than there was. The West did wonderful things for Jim, so wonderful that he was able to return home much sooner than he had hoped, or than Martha had dreamed. He arrived one night to find a motor at the door, with Martha just entering. She did not see him, until many hours later, when the big car was again at the door. Martha did not try to explain, and there was not much to say, I fancy, between them. Jim went away that night, and Martha never saw him again. That was years before. Unkind years, lonely, silent years, for Martha. But the boy? No one knew where a boy lived hardly remembered that he was a boy at all. There were no papers, nothing to tell anything about him. All that was known was that, somewhere away from the city's noise and grime, he lived in some boy's school. Even if one knew how to reach him, what then? There was no money to care for him with, and no way to find his father. But one hates to think of him waiting and waiting, and never knowing why mother never came again. Anna had sat beside her until she died, and listened as little as she could, while Martha talked to Jim, always to Jim. Anna was almost glad when the crying voice sank into the last sentence. I did the best I could, Jim, she whispered, and passed out. End of section 23